This episode of the Salumas Podcast is brought to you by Patch Junkie. Are you a member of the military? Are you a fan of uniquely made items? Hell, do you just like to collect stuff? Let's talk about a company in Delaware called Patch Junkie. Patch Junkie is an Etsy shop that sells uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military-style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell patch-related stuff like patch mats and patch bags to stick your patches to. So if you go onto their website, enter the promo code SALUMIST for 10% off your order. Once again, that is S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T and instantly get 10% off. So if you want to go to their website, it is www.patchjunkieshop.com. Once again, it is www.patchjunkieshot.com. Some cool things about them. Uh, they are all about high quality and unique patches. Um, we don't mess around with low quality shit. Patches or no patches. We, we want to make sure that people are dedicated to their craft just like we are. So it's really good to be able to work with these guys. Um, Patch Junkie cares about their supporters. Uh, they hand pack their orders and they thank each and every person who they get orders out to. I think that level of authenticity is really crucial to have these days when you're running a business. Additionally, Patch Junkie cares about the world around us. They reduce waste, do their part to prevent deforestation, offset their carbon footprint during shipping, and support conservation efforts. Guys are doing it all to be able to take care of the community and the environment. So once again, please show these guys some love. Go to www.patchjunkieshop.com and make an order on there. Or if you want some custom stuff done, they actually do that stuff as well. We're going to be working with them on getting some custom patches. So hit these guys up, show them some love. All right, guys. So the goal of our episodes is to push the boundaries, make you think, and if possible, make you squirm. We provide views and ideas that often people don't think about. And it's honestly to show you that there's just always another side of things. For Black History Month, our theme is truth and reconciliation. So we chose this because we believe that if we're going to even come close to solving any of the problems with race in our society, we have to uncover and accept the harshest pieces of ourselves. And for some of us, that actually means recognizing ourselves as both the perpetrators and the victims. There comes a point where some of us have to take responsibility for the maladaptive behaviors that we and those before us displayed. And I think that to get there, we have to be 100% transparent and willing to see, feel, and in this case, listen to things that might make us uncomfortable. Episode one of our Black History Month series is focusing on letting go of our sometimes seemingly limited sensibilities and allowing ourselves to listen, question, learn. And this one's a big one for me, be wrong. So without further ado, we present to you episode 907 in part one of our Black History Month series, Disarmament. was doing something and then it ended up at the back of the computer on the in input yeah the no, it's going straight into usb cool okay um well do you guys want to st- like 
<laughs> go over our, our the last thing we had, or do you want to do something new? Well, um, if you could remember it, I don't remember it. So, <clears throat> our I think I think we should start from scratch. If yeah. we if we're gonna double back to yeah. some shit, yeah. I think we we'll, we will need to begin with a framework because working off the cuff within yeah. something that we trying to bring back, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it's okay. gonna be difficult. So All I right. think we could come up, we can formulate something else. Sure. Um, so. I think though this this month so far for Black History Month, I've been seeing quite quite a lot more awareness uh, on my social feeds. So I've been seeing a lot more awareness in the sense that there are people posting a lot of things that we don't talk about in the history books now, um, and that's something that I thought was quite interesting. It's information that makes people uh, makes people squirm. It's information that makes people slightly uncomfortable. Uh, and I think that that is part of the overarching narrative that I'd like for us to be able to present for Black History Month is the concept of truth and reconciliation. And we need to bring that into everything. And I think the big thing is that we need to recognize and as as people of color, as recognize ourselves as not just victims, but as also people that are perpetuating a system or per- perpetuating a problem that's going on. Really? And uh, so that's something that I want to be able to address hopefully this month. Um, but I also do think that there's certainly a lot of fucked up things that don't get talked about. You know, one of the things that we had talked about in our previous recording was the just like the things with that happened in Tulsa, you know, and. Uh, that's Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm sure we'll we'll bring that up later on in this episode, or maybe we won't. If you haven't heard about that, just go look that stuff up. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the uh, issues and like, and we had talked about this a little bit before, uh, before we, before you left the other day, where we were talking about just the diet in the black community, how how there's something wrong with that. How do we how do we get past that? Um, I wanted to talk about the uh, the the idea of the American dream, where it used to be, in my opinion, own property, have this, have this, or have this or that in place, have a house, have some kids, blah blah blah. And I think that that narrative is now changing, or maybe it's not so much that it's changing, but I start asking the question: Who is this American dream for? Who is the actual dreamer? That came up with this concept, and so I want to be have, I want to be able to have different people to come on and talk about stuff like that. Like we had talked about uh, having one of my friends, who's a one of the top real estate agents here in, in the town, and he had some real bits of information that'll make people squirm and make people uncomfortable. You know, talking about a lot of things that people who who buy, sell, or uh, provide financing to to all sorts of people. He was talking about like what kind of stuff that they say about people of color when it comes to buying a house, selling a house or providing financing to them. I think that acknowledging that that stuff exists is part of us getting to this to the root of the problem. I think we need to get out of the mindset of this whole like we're post-racial or something. We're very much so in that in that mindset. Um, We my wife and I were how people say, I don't see color. You know, and my wife was like, I see color. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I, I certainly see color. 
And that's the kind of stuff that I feel like we need to try and talk about and try and debunk or try to make better. I, there was someone on on in my uh, uh, my friends list that said it, it always starts out like this. I'm not trying to be racist. I don't mean any sort of harm by this. Yeah. But he said, I want to have a serious discussion about why it's OK to have. Black history. There's always one that has. There's always someone on yeah. our social media feeds that says some shit like this. Yeah. Why do they have Black History Month? Why do they have all this other stuff? Like, is it yeah. so wrong to have a White History Month? And I and I wanted to be like, are you? Re- do you really want to have this conversation? Right. Or are you just kind of doing this to like to get just your friends to jump in on a talk? And obviously, a lot of people jumped in and they said different things like. Oh, we should just be fine with who we are and all this other stuff. And I was like, that's not how it works. It's like no one is serious enough to want to have this that, that's conversation. A, that's a, a, a fascinating question for me. And, and although sometimes we don't have the patience for it or we may um, pigeonhole people that posit that question, I wish more people asked me that every day. Yeah. I have the similar question at, a, at work when a, a person was talking about uh, a newly created diversity and inclusion group. Uh, what do they call that? Employee resource group. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, newly went, created back maybe after sometime in the first year of my sure. employment at my current job. They created, uh, I don't know why we always come up with these like acronyms <laughs> and stuff, but it was called BEST. B-E-S-T yeah. is like Blacks, Blacks Expressing at Supporting Talent or something. I just wanted to. And a friend of mine made up the name. I wanted to jump out the window. But anyway, Blacks this guy, Expressing? A supporting Talent or something. <laughs> Always put that shit. Oh, but like, d- um, yeah. And the VP sponsored it and sanctioned it. Said, yeah, I'll be the. You, you got to have a, like a sponsor for ERG. Yeah, that's in the people leadership. And anyway, um, guy, white guy, I was working with. I actually traveled out to his office, um, south of town, to fix some stuff. And he was like, "Man, can I, you know, seriously ask you, like, what? Why can't there be a, you know?" white employee resource group and all of that stuff. It was similar to that same question. Why can't there be a white history month or something? And though I think more than knowing how to answer that directly, I think the question is more important because it's sort I think it links to my most interesting or the part of the conversation that I'm most interested in. And that is, is there anything significant about the fact that the particular mechanisms for oppression and conquering that African-Americans experience and are still experiencing leave us in a particularly traumatized state. And we just don't know how to acknowledge it because it's so novel. We weren't completely wiped out like Native Americans where they're just gone. You know, we weren't put through a bunch of unspeakable things like the Jews and then escaped that a little bit. So we have just a small population that we got to protect. We, we had something different. We, mm. we changed geology, changed our cuisine, lost our language, lost to my point, more, most importantly, our identity. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if there's any study in academia or any discipline in American intellectual sphere that can treat the topic that way because there may be we might discover that there's something there when a person asks why there's a black history month i think that's a uh help me out not a symptom but the black history month is like an echo of what an indictment not an indictment it's a it's evidence of of the point i'm trying to 
illustrate that maybe identity is that important for humans. And you know, I've it got is this that important. model that I've got yeah. to illustrate that I have. You know, I need to make an infographic, but you know, my little 10 scale humanity model. I talked about yeah. it the first time I started coming on the podcast, mm-hmm. like humanity, sophisticated humanity. It, it's only maintained through a very few freedoms, you know what I mean? Very precious like uh, easy to lose freedoms. And when you take those away, you quickly see how how we we go from civilized human beings to just maybe sophisticated primates being lower on the scale. So if level 10 is what we have today, Western civilization, level nine is just people in prison. Hmm. That's how easy it is to job. Take away yeah. someone's right to feed themselves, exercise when they want, and to, you know. Yeah. Occupy with space. That's all you lose in prison. Yeah. It's three things. You gotta, you've gotta exercise when I say. You've gotta eat when I say, and you've gotta sleep when I say. Take away those three things, and look what we act like. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's, it's, it's got to do with the uh, psychology of the individuals that are. So them aren't violent. Yeah. Most of them are just people that were trying to make money or something like that, and they got in trouble. But they turn turn into cr- crazy people just by that. And so what I mean is. Having had that done to us on a large scale over a large period, part, large period of time in a systematic, sanctioned way, could it have done something unique to African-American people, something that perpetuates generation after generation? And is Black History Month a recognition by not necessarily the powers that be, but the human body, the whole society that we got to give them something? We don't know what's wrong with them, but we got to mm-hmm. give them something. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And American culture seems to, <clears throat> and I could be wrong to some degree, but it seems to celebrate and laud and really love and appreciate black culture, but not feel the same way about actual black people. So whenever you have a group of people that are fed the American dream, like just like any of us, like if you work hard, and you're successful, you've done it by way of your own merit. We, we live in a meritocracy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when you sell a group of people that type of narrative without any kind of push for them to unpack the multi-generational trauma that they've experienced, mm-hmm. then invariably, no matter how successful individuals become within that community, still that community is going to reside on shaky ground. And I think very much as we move forward as a society, society like you a lot more um, at least face value awareness of yeah. of uh, the plight of black folks. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but believe that that might be part of the equation as well is like, yeah. let's go ahead. Let's let's very much like McDonald's commercials. Mm-hmm. Right. What do you see in McDonald's commercials? This is about Black the, people, the McRib is back. Fucking celebrating <laughs> yeah. and kicking it. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's celebrate. Let's really push this, this image of black excellence and gloss over the traumatic portions uh-huh. of it. And in a lot of ways, that is an amazing mechanism for divide and conquer, because the, whenever people do succeed, it really doesn't foster a lot of in, in-group empathy either. You know, if you Mm -hmm. if you transcend and make it within this Eurocentric fucking society that's created, um, that solidarity isn't there because you haven't unpacked that group trauma, that binding force. Absolutely. Man, Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I deal with it all the time and I don't know what to do about it. But I know for 
for a fact that what you just said is true because I, I've I've summarized it in a certain in a particular phrase. I've I noticed that the better I am at my career, the worse I am for my people. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And and, and and you and you know what I, and then that's by design, bro. Like yeah. that is very much by design. It's the same principle like with the redneck manifesto. They talk about brain drain a whole lot in rural areas. People that come from rural areas that end up being, you know, academics or physicians or eminent within their field oftentimes do not end up staying and reinvesting in that community. Yeah. They end up going on to be you know, a small fish in a big pond, so to so, speak. So would brain drain be defined as losing the, you, the you, losing the knowledge and intellectual power from a community? Right. What you mean? Right. Okay. Like, like say okay. it's a rural um, uh, coal community in West Virginia. Yeah. And out of these individuals, out of these, you know, blue collar working class individuals, there are going to be some, mm-hmm. uh, some people that rise through that become like, College professors, we had a slap Kalu's hand like like Ernie. <laughs> He's I'm over sorry, here. it was po- it was popping something in here. But like ear. we I'm we playing. we had <laughs> uh, a, a social professor, yeah, that came from an incredibly rural setting, mm-hmm. and the social expectations within that rural setting are very different than the ones that even we experience here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. But whenever he left, instead of him residing in that community, and I guess again investing, and it, and it's not to fault the individual for going their their way and doing their thing, but they don't stay in those communities. They transcend, and then oftentimes, I'm not going to say always. Oftentimes, it does end up with a okay. Well, I made it out. Why the fuck can't the rest of these cats make it out? I'm so fascinated by that, man. Sorry and, to interrupt and, you. Well, and, 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 because. And, and it, it, it holds true. And again, it, it very much underscores how deeply ingrained the socioeconomic divide is, whether you're black, white, mm-hmm. indigenous, whatever, that if you make it out of that community and you get pseudo accepted in the white man's world, it's real easy to feel fucking special and oh, feel yeah. and lose your empathy for that, that tokenism, yeah. for that, well, for that group I, trauma. I, I, I live that. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I don't feel special. I feel like between a rock and a lava pit. I feel that returning home and my significant other goes to this too. She's like, man, I could never go back to Louisville where I could stack up, save money, have a little bit more family support because the family and their bullshit alone would debilitate you. So what what would keep that from, from being the case? You know, what cultural or social economic or political framework would allow you to be successful in academia and maybe have a career, but maximize the effect of those sacrifices and and that whatever school debt and use it for your people. What I mean is I could not do what I'm doing now. Uh And I'm just IT dude. I just work on computers all the time. I couldn't do what I'm doing if I was home here. Uh I couldn't do it like with all the the comforts, it's if like you will. I go back in time. No, it's like I'm go back in time. The bullshit. Family well, bullshit. I'm I'm saying like, yes, there is family bullshit, but what yeah. your brain sees that as is something yeah. that was normal for the longest time. No, I don't get. I don't. Okay, so out. you know we talk about this when when people and I could be on the wrong track, but we talk about this like when people get into like destructive relationships. There's yeah. like, your brain doesn't know that it's a destructive relationship. Yeah. It was it knows what's normal. 
and what's not normal. So if it starts to only oh, course, see yeah. destruction, it'll count that as normal yeah. and also then right. perceive that as good. Right. So I'm saying when I say comforts, I'm saying that there's it, by you being here, there's the normal bullshit or something, but your brain is like, okay, that's something that I need to even function and get by. No, no, no I know exactly. What you're okay. About. So no, you, you see what I'm, not, okay. Yeah, okay. I do. You're talking about homeostasis. Yeah. 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 No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about legit motherfuckers in your pocket and they need this and this is going uh, on. You know, you couldn't do it. Okay. But I mean, you know how much I would love to live out here on the south end of town, yeah. right on the edge of Warren County and just commute mm-hmm. and get that, get that, you know what I mean? Downtown Nashville money, but save up and maybe yeah. have a rental property. Why can't African-American people do that? Why can't we live 10 in a house like you see Latin people doing? Mm-hmm. Why can't we do what the Vietnamese and, uh, uh, Taiwanese <clears throat> friends we all went to high school with do they disappear after high school you know the where they go they go running their restaurants right we all tripped when we got out of high school and saw what's his name at Ichiban or whatever like hey man yeah. where you been at we were all getting in debt in first and second year and he was there with his family business better off mm-hmm. better use of that youth right Yeah. I'm trying to ask can we on the Salumas because nobody else has done it can we try to get at why it is we can't do that I can. I, I feel like I, I know a good reason as to why we can't because guess who does do it Nigerians, Nigerians do, it. do it that's what I was going to say not only they do it they do it fly as fuck yeah. they got mystery money Yeah. It used to, you don't so, even be knowing how they, they own but they be on yeah so <laughs> and with I think one of the big things that I think that we as Nigerians need to be better about is going out and promoting our history and our culture. Um, There's a part of us and even me at some points that you do have this air of superiority kind of it's a dick thing to do, but it's 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 gotten me pretty far sometimes when I needed it to. Um, But there is a. That's something whenever a Nigerian would come into, especially when we first moved into Bowling Green, obviously, unless someone can correct me, I'm pretty sure then Jocko family was the first set of Nigerians in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You know unless what? Y'all, might have, y'all were before that mayor were, or that politician. On your yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Y'all before, I mean, yeah, y'all so, might have it. Yeah. So whenever, That's a good point. Uh, whenever a Nigerian would come to our house or would come to yeah. the States or come to Kentucky, <clears throat> They would live with us for a couple of months, yeah, and help. We'd help get on your feet, show yeah. you stuff around. Then you're off, and this would happen quite often. Relatives would come in, stay with us for a while. They would help raise us, and then they would go off and do their and own thing. And when they came in, they stuck to a code, didn't they? Yeah, they knew they had. They didn't just come in and just start living off y'all. No, they no, came no. in with uh, intention to get on their feet, yeah. and move. What? What? What made them do that? <laughs> Instead just, of but that's, the, that's how it is at home. Yeah, like it's not it's not a thing to stay with your parents for. Okay, so but that, I think it's a non-American thing. But what but what values are instilled? What what, what yeah. elements of Nigerian culture yeah. are, are 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 you proud of? What what would you say are like top two three things about Nigerians in general that you could say off the top of your head that are that are very much Nigerian and something to take pride in? In my opinion, it's the pride for for being Nigeria to the point where we're kind of like the assholes of Africa because they're like, oh, shit, there's a Nigerian. Like there was one time, uh, maybe about seven, eight years ago, I applied for a job in South Africa uh, because I wanted to go over there. And someone had told me, it's like, hey, man, like 
no offense to you, you look qualified, but it's going to be hard because you're Nigerian to get a job over there. They're uh-huh. just not going to, well, they're not going to pick you up. But that was a point of pride for me. Mm-hmm. And then when you also look at some of the people that are doing badass shit here, yeah, they're also Nigerian. Lots of, they, lots of them. Were they in, in very many in <clears throat> academics. Yeah. What, what other fields are Nigerians? Uh, the, uh, uh, medicine? Yeah, medicine, engineering. That's okay. a big thing. Okay, I think, check, check it out. Like, uh, that's that's that culture, and it's a yeah. very specific thing, right? Mm-hmm. What are the top three things in African-American culture that you say are lauded at large? Can you define lauded for me? Sorry. Athleticism. Look- being able to make music, yeah, yeah, having rhythm, that kind of stuff. There you go. Yeah. Entertainment based shit, things yeah. things that entertain the larger system and the status quo. Mm-hmm. Not there's not a lot of emphasis being put on people going into yeah. medicine and chemistry and, mm-hmm. and, and, and you things of that nature. If you weren't a like an engineer or something, you're a fucking disappointment. Like it's thankfully my job title or my job role has engineer in it because. That appeals well to Nigerians. That's just a thing for them. You know, I remember when I was younger, my dad was just like, yeah, they don't think that it's that great of me that he was the he was a sibling that was a teacher. The rest were engineers or lawyers or doctors or something. One of mine is a is a very popular singer in Nigeria. So it's like you're going to be a teacher. But now the the, the game kind of shifted where when you get to a certain point, it's the wisdom it's that kind of stuff. Now people just call my dad teacher. That's what, I mean, that's his title now. And, uh, or at least in our culture, they call him teacher. And so that's something that I don't think you see in, in the African American culture. It's just not something that people kind of hold on to. There are people that do that same thing, yes, but they're held to like a celebrity status kind of thing. And, and it's not the same in my opinion. And how, <clears throat> how much has, have things really changed as far as America at large, their vested interest or their view of what makes black people value or a contribution to American culture? Yeah. What Thank has you, changed since slavery? That's right. Um, um, with regard it, to how we are perceived. I think and, 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 yeah. And this and, is, this <laughs> isn't coming from black yeah. culture. Mm-hmm. This is coming from American culture. That's right. It's the celebration of the entertainer, mm-hmm. the athlete, mm-hmm. the sexual dynamo. Yes. It's the celebration of these certain things yes. that, that really have been in place since fucking slavery. Yes. They haven't changed. They've, they've altered and they've turned into these big complex things like yeah. the, the NFL drafts and shit. Yes. There you go. There's an air of disgust. To, look, I, look yeah, I, and look I know slavy. Look, yeah, dog. Yeah. No, yeah. no shit. Yeah. No motherfucking shit. Yeah. So, so again, it's, it's playing into the very much playing into the same value system, that overreaching American value system to keep going along with it. Like, yeah. God and, damn. And, thank and, thank and, God for and, and Chris it's, Kilmore. Listen, it's, it's the Achilles heel. It's the blessing and the curse. It, yes. Yes. It, the, the most exceptional athletes, the most exceptional musicians. But then you get pigeonholed into that fucking there, shit. There, there you go. And that manifestation um you might argue is an authentic it, it, it what we authentic meaning we being the author of it uh-huh. it was still a reaction to oppression and being conquered or a liberty granted after con- oppression and enslavement changed its form if you will uh-huh. 
You know what I mean? We we were singing and dancing and and sublimating the gospel because it was given to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, much like much like the macro example I said of of um the month February uh, Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Those ma- maintaining large businesses like plantations were they had to give you one day a week that they, they realize it. You know what I mean? What yeah. I'm saying is it was not- Morale was yeah. a part of the Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. you yeah. still being handled like an animal because, mm-hmm. all right, we got to give them one day a week to for recreation and to sing and dance and stuff. And well, we realize that there's a part of a human, at least this is my my imagining what they're, they're thinking might have been, we realize there's a part of the human makeup that requires religion, especially for these people. Mm-hmm. We It's such a huge component spirituality yeah. so we got to replace it with something so it gave us christianity and so even that's not authentically ours yeah. you get what i mean yeah and of course we this leads to the obvious one that we bring up a lot soul food mm-hmm. we are sell we celebrate things that are that are actually the after effects of being conquered yeah and we celebrate things in the mental space of our cultural identity that are coping mechanisms yeah that if examined under a modern psychology degree lens would be like, oh man, this is all kinds of pathological behavior. Yeah. You know what I mean? You you guys are, look how you talk about each other and your music and how you treat one another. And, yeah. and why is it that you can't trust each other? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I could have mm-hmm. a lemon, lemonade stand out there right now and, you know, like people would, I yeah. ain't go, I ain't going I, over I, and I get go, on that lemonade. But if it, was a, if, it, if it was a white dude with a tie and his hair parted yeah, on the yeah, side, yeah. it'd be like, that's yeah. the motherfucker with the lemonade yeah. right there. He's, he's so, got gumption. He's, yeah, he's a business so, owner. That's yeah, a yeah, you'd be like, yeah. I like your suit. What's yeah, going on? Yeah. And it's bullshit, so man. Something it's remains. Yeah. So something remains. Something sustaining that. We continue to carry on in not the best way. That's what I'm interested in, 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 in examining because to go back to what we've, We've been talking about what is it that the Nigerian has that I don't have? If we just start without trying to think too hard, there you go. Is it possible? I'm going to say this multiple times this month that identity and cultural, um, um, not solidarity, but um, um, agency is is that significant for human beings? Because even when you've conquered or you've gone toe to toe with the mm-hmm. Europeans and you scrapped and you made your way out and you speak the King's English right now, you still know who you are, mm-hmm. and you're it, may, it could it be that alone and all of the multitude of things that manifest from that that make you able to exercise solidarity that make you yeah um but when you don't know who you are exactly aren't you much like a crab in a barrel or a single individual on the plantation trying to survive so that when it's time to exercise solidarity when it's time to come and stay with your uh other african-american people then the nigerian comes to stay with the nigerian and knows for the sake of Nigeria, mm-hmm. I have to get on my feet because that's what I'm doing for an African American. Mm-hmm. Come to stay with the other African American and feels there is nothing for me in this country to work for. So I only need to just survive for right now so, and, and take care of myself. So instead of saving up my money and getting out from the other African American's mm-hmm. house that's helping me, I maybe get something stupid like a nice car or something. Yep. So think about this. Could this then be? Why people ask about why white people ask why can't we have white history month? Maybe this is also, especially, and maybe because I've just lived in this area, but it's always been the same type of white person that has kind of grow up grown up in rural areas yeah. where they might have been <clears throat> thought of as dumb, yeah, and, it, and it goes back to the redneck manifesto where it's like, at the end, even though 
even though they're white, they're st- it's like, you shut the fuck up. You are poor. You're white. You don't get it. You're uneducated. At least you're white. Be okay with that. That's right. But because those white people haven't taken it, it's it's much easier for those white people to find their beginning than it is for black people. Black people or black Americans have to accept that they came from one of maybe three areas and that's it. And it's kind of like, take your pick. I'll, I'll spoil it for everyone. I've done it on multiple episodes. There's about a 90% chance that you're Nigerian. But the but for white people, you have to go and you go to this Ancestry.com and, and now you have to pick Irish, German, French, blah, blah, blah. You have all these other things, but that takes too much time and effort to go through and, and dig that many levels. At least you have them. But I think that if you don't do that work, you're going to be in that position where you're just saying, why can't we have White History Month? And what? I say that because white's not a fucking race. It's but- it's your just pick your pick your culture. Like, are you German? And if you actually if, hell, if you listen to our episode of Where the Wave Breaks, the greatest lie ever told, we start to touch on some of that. The Irish have a certain thing. When I when we had talked about the migration up, the first migration that went out of Africa and they made it into uh, Ireland. They're, of course, by nature, going to be more spiritual because then this is why there's the Celtic Druids. There's all these other yeah. people. They're, and they're my ancient. wife Those is people have been my wife is of Irish descent. This yeah. she's spiritual as hell. That stuff is not the same thing that you would see in a person that came from England or something like that. They're, they're going to be different types of people. And if you just mm-hmm. take the time to tap into that part, mm-hmm. you wouldn't you would never ask, why don't we have White History well, Month? You'll have fucking St. Patrick's Day or whatever thing that they mm-hmm. have in Ireland. I'm sure there's some shit that they celebrate. Tap into that. Mm-hmm. You'll find a couple levels of your people back there the, and be proud the of The caveat being <clears throat> the caveat motherfucking being think of gangs of New York. Yeah. When you came here, it even served people with pale skin to assimilate, to mm-hmm. become, to slough off being Irish, yeah. to slough off being Italian. You either clung to it or you assimilated. Yeah. And and that's what you do have these rich, like, you know, families that go back several generations in New York City proper. Sure. Um, a, a Italian owned businesses and things of that nature. But a lot of folks were stripped of the stigma or they deliberately strip themselves of the stigma. Think about how many white people changed their names just slightly when they came to the United States from Europe. Yeah. Uh, so Think so I will say your name when they get famous. That's true. <laughs> you see, like, is Brad Pitt really Brad Pitt or is he Brad something else? He, yeah, he Brad something else. <laughs> but but that's the thing is that it, I, I, I kind of get it. It's just there's not a name for it. Aside from, you know, I guess you could say rural, rural white American pride. I don't know what to fucking say it, but it's a very specific thing. And it is a group of people that were stripped of their agency that are of low SES, that have a lot of pride. They've got a lot of rich culture Mm -hmm. that has parallels with Mm -hmm. African-Americans. Bluegrass music. Like the derivation of bluegrass music, there's a lot of blending and shit. if If you compare that to like rock and roll. And I guess if you trace shit back. Uh, you know, the 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 derivation of different music types, it probably would converge on bluegrass being a black man that came up with it. But mm-hmm. I will say that there is a subset like we were talking about in the Redneck Manifesto of people that fundamentally have no ties of any shape, form or fashion or pride in being 
genetically Irish or mm-hmm. genetically Scandinavian, but at the same time are not white supremacists. Yeah. So they're yeah. left in this fucking limbo where they're like, why can't I be proud of my rural yeah. uh-huh. wh- blue collar right. fucking and, and culture? That, that's exactly that's exactly right. And there's there's a lot of people that fall into that category. And I think they are as equally unaware of what information they're ignorant about as yeah. black people are unaware of why we behave like crabs in the barrel. And it's it's by They're design. Both. The yeah, larger yeah, system exactly. designs it that and way. And they fail those people who, who who have the benefit of not having to think about those things. They still fall into, uh, whether they elected to or not, an assignment that venerates them, an assignment which they inherited by default when sometime in, I don't know, when the 19-something, 19, 19, early 1900s, when they started to use that term white, you know, to lump everyone in who mm-hmm. were at, at who yeah. were before then um referred to by whatever their ethnicity was you know italian or irish or german yeah. or whatever and so it still leaves a unique you know variable there there's some there's something different there's something mm-hmm. unique about that because you it's okay to be ignorant about your circumstances historically yeah. if if that ignorance doesn't cost you anything yeah where in the African American community, it has detrimental effect because good point. our mm-hmm. our psychology is shaped by it, and we don't know when to behave in a way that's sacrificial to the greater what. Yeah, think about it. I can sacrifice behaviorally and make decisions for the greater identity of Nigeria. You can't do that as African American. Mm-hmm. There is no greater identity except for one <clears throat> you don't want to attach yourself to. Yeah. You don't want the history of being having being conquered. So not having that identity for me seems like it, it's that important. It's yeah. that significant. And I think that, so, that some that there are some there's probably a lot of 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 African Americans that don't want to attach themselves to the African proper African culture because they th- themselves see they're the American tie as superior. And by my example is coming yeah. to America. You know, that that part where mm-hmm. uh, Akeem comes into the, you know, he's in the barber shop and, you know, they're all trolling him because he's he's like, yeah. what do I do? You know, he was talking yeah. like that and stuff like that. But you saw how everyone treated him. That same thing happened when yeah. my dad would be yeah. out among other, uh, other African-Americans. Yeah. They would treat him a little bit differently. Yeah. And even at a young age, I was aware, like, Come on, man. Like, yeah. I'm well, sitting we, here thinking, like, my dad's got everything over you guys. Well, you know? to, to Chris's point um, an episode ago, but we are a different creature. Yeah. So what does it look like? How do you build back in that psychological and emotional, spiritual health? I think X was on to something. I was watching a documentary about him Malcolm last X. night, too. Yeah, Malcolm X. Sorry. Start with taking away, no matter how arbitrary it seems, take away everything that connects you to that uh, nebulous identity, that that nothing, mm-hmm. that battered, empty identity. Yeah. Start by the fact that my last name was Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Somebody owned me named yeah. Carpenter. It's as simple as that. I don't have mm-hmm. to speculate. Yeah. You know what I mean? My last name isn't Sinjesu. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Carpenter. Somebody owned me. Let's start by taking measures that are equal in magnitude to those that were used systematically to oppress us mm-hmm. and cost us nothing and correct and correct. <laughs> when you get old enough to vote 
as an African American, I've said this before, you also get a check box where you can check and drop your last name. Yeah. What's it gonna hurt? Yeah. And I it, think that one it, thing it will to transform bridge, it'll transform the society because we'll all be X until we know better. But watch what start happening. A couple of generations later, solidarity out of that new baseline created identity, historical identity, you know, will it will start to change your behavior. Now you have something to, yeah. you know. And let me just real quick interject. I think it's a cognitive reality that it is much, much easier to inflict or incur trauma than it is to undo or unpack the impact of that trauma. And that's even within just one individual. Mm -hmm. You know, in the the blink of an eye, somebody can be completely and utterly traumatized, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Then if you think about brainwashing and systematic breaking of individuals, then you then you cross that over generations upon generations upon generations. Yes. And then you convolute that with smiles and the illusion of equality. Yeah. You end up where the fuck we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know how they say you can't take the wolf out of a wolf? Yeah. Well, think about that. We 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 are able to, in very short order, mm-hmm. in you know, a year, create a dog with what we have today. You can breed it. I might not know how breeding works, but we get different types of dogs with different types of personalities and stuff. You know what I mean? You can breed a dog whose behavior, whose impulses and inclinations are detrimental to its own well-being, can't you? Oh yeah. Well, you I, can, the American you can make a dog. The American that, pit bull terrier is effectively bred against self-preservation. For oh, example, is it? Yeah, it has no the, regard for yeah, its own well-being. Yeah, because yeah. it's not. It's very fearless. Is that because? Yeah, it'll like it, it yeah, will. It yeah. will fight. Like whereas a wolf may be much more capable right. than than a, a wolf 50, knows it's better. Will run off if it's like I'm not trying to get killed it, here. That's yeah. the thing. A hundred and fifty yeah. pound timber wolf and a fifty pound pit bull. There is a distinct possibility if that motherfucker doesn't get that pit bull off jump that's that, right it's gonna try and escape because the risk to reward ratio fundamentally isn't there whereas that american pitbull terrier all it knows yes. is go so go go thank you so if you had like a litter is it called a litter mm-hmm. with that pitbull terrible terrier it's pitbull terrible. <laughs> chris kilburn almost came across the table at me and i said pitbull terrible he put his he put his wallet down. I, I corrected it in I'll, time. I unhook my yeah. chain wallet. <laughs> yeah. Let's get your language right. <laughs> no, the pit bull terrier litter will also have that behavior. Oh yeah. And well, that's and, the objective. That is the objective. They they won't all though. Ah. That's the interesting thing is that they won't all. Yeah. And and the closest thing you can do is like line breeding, whereby you yeah. breed back. You you keep an animal tightly bred. It's basically yeah. inbreeding, but yeah. you have to breed back out for for good, vigor good. and things to, like that. To keep it. those those, th- those um, properties that you want Correct. to you expect to see them. But is but, it possible that that the African-Americans, the, the unique conditions we went through left something that I believe so. I fucking believe so 100%. And I think that it is honest to God, the status quo. It's not it's not social justice warriors. It's not brown, beige, black, whatever color folks that are petitioning against exploring the philosophical elements and impacts of genetics. It's it's the status quo that doesn't want us to look at ourselves. It's okay. The unifying forces that we're all human beings. Yeah. 
That should be enough. Then from that step, that acknowledgement of your humanity, there is nothing pejorative about assigning the same genetic categorization Mm -hmm. to each of ourselves and taking pride in that as being different breeds and Mm. different entities that, I mean, we're the same species, just different takes on the same species. There's no pejorative in making that acknowledgement. And, and these, Corny ass fucking posters that's got like a bunch of baby arms pointed in the middle. That's all different shades, and it's yeah. like it, the outside's the only thing. Bull motherfucking shit. One hundred percent. Bull motherfucking shit. Like, yeah. in, and we've oftentimes talked about sexual dimorphism within mm-hmm. a species and how profoundly that impacts the behavior of a species, whereby there's a division of labor. When you have sexual dimorphism within a species, then oftentimes you have either the male or the female doing the primary amount of killing or defending Mm -hmm. or protecting of the young. With humans, you see distinct sexual dimorphism. Distinct sexual dimorphism, males being significantly larger, more muscled, Mm -hmm. uh, heavier boned, etc., etc., even the mechanics of the average female body to run versus a male to run. It's a, it's a very different entity. Yeah. So if you, if you take that and you compare it to Neanderthals mm-hmm. real quick, uh, another species of human being, it's another species. Yeah. It's not like we're a separate fucking species. We just different takes. We just different breeds within it. This is a whole other species, but still humans. Yeah. We can still interbreed with these motherfuckers. They exhibited a far far less of a degree of sexual dimorphism. There wasn't the same degree of division of labor. And they anthropologists look at the skeletons of both male and female Neanderthals. And you see in these Paleolithic remains that both male and female Neanderthals had injuries, healed, healing, fatal, whatever, Injuries consistent with those that are inflicted by like professional bull riders and shit like that during the same period, they during the same motherfucking era where modern humans were residing on the planet mm-hmm. at the same time as Neanderthals. You did not see that in female modern humans. You only saw that in male modern humans. Yeah. So if you look at even again, just the difference between males and females. Yeah. And the profundity, the physiological profundity, there's entirely different hormones, Mm -hmm. different set of plumbing, everything. It would be completely asinine to say that different individuals that are isolated by each other genetically for hundreds of years or bred for hundreds of years to perform a specific task isn't going to have an implication upon somebody's psychology later on. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and, and, and again, I I don't I really don't think that it is minorities this upset about having this fucking conversation, if anything. And and, and it's not it's not even really white people either. It's the status quo. It's people with money. And because I feel like having that conversation and being able to unpack that with other people of low SES would be a binding force. It would be a uh, way of acknowledging you, like, you know what you yo, don't want? We are motherfucking different, but we're humans. Yeah. You what what people don't want is the if you the lower SES uniting. What people Class don't want solidarity. What people don't want is black people to know where the fuck they came from. Because you want to see, like, you see people in Boston that know that they're Irish. You see how crazy they get? Multiply that by 55. Because when you see black people understand where they come from and then be like, wait, you guys took us and brought us over here, made you work for you, 
and all this other stuff. Now we're your taught gestures. Us, taught us shame of our bodies yes, and all kinds us of all shit. all this other kind of stuff. Oh, they're going to be angry for a long fucking time. And and that's they're what I mean. Real that's mad. what I mean. The, the undoing process. Yes. If we are going to be an ethical society and we need, there's a population amongst us mm-hmm. that has experienced this profound fucking trauma. Yeah. It's like, say a group of people was in a train accident. Mm-hmm. Then every child that they had was in another train accident and over and over and over and over again. And I know it's a very rough example, but you don't think that that's going to have a lasting impact. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden one day it's like, all right, I'm going to drop you in here. You're going to use Everyth- cars now. No it, more you, train wrecks. Yeah. It, you, it, everything's fair and even. Yeah. You have opportunity as long as you work hard. Yeah, that's right. We've all met that young lady. I was going to use the harder example of a rape victim. You know, mm-hmm. you're held captive and you're raped for three years and you just let go. Yeah. I, that person would be crazy. Yes. But I've known, grew up with several people, and you may, you guys may have had that experience. Have mm-hmm. you ever encountered that? I don't know that you notice it in men, young men, but maybe it does, but we don't think about it. But it's, yeah. for me, it's always been young women that are just strikingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And consequently, every encounter they've had since they were yay high, you know, single digits in age, has been desperate. Like, please be my friend. Treat me like a human being. Treat me like a human being. You've ever not seen that like before? This, not, yeah. Don't call me beautiful. Don't yeah. call me this. I just read an article on, on how beauty is a type of privilege that we don't address. Like objective beauty and symmetry, yeah. facial yeah. symmetry yeah. and stuff. Well, I've, I've, I remember growing up with young ladies like that. And almost always, they may have had something traumatic happen to them, mm-hmm. an uncle or something touching them. But I used, I've seen that. Uh, that was like normal. Like yeah. every 20th young lady, it would be like some pretty is it okay say mixed girl from allen county or something. yeah 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 and in allen county she you know kind of stands out you know yeah. what i mean it's, it's allen county not a whole lot of black people but she's not only not black she's crazy yeah. and like weird behavior weird personality mm-hmm. and i always associate like i know what that is i don't know how to describe it but i know what it is it's you've a, been yeah. treated in Objectification, this unnatural man. way yeah, you're for a long time and you don't know how to then you move to bowling green where we got a little bit more Look, people mm-hmm. in the university and we're just like hey how's it going it's Sally? the same reason you know, why people you, like like 65 year old millionaire white dudes in the professional sphere will walk up to kalu and and admire him like he's some kind of fucking Mandingo warrior. That's How many up years of eligibility you got? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's the same kind of motherfucking thing. Yeah. Is that yeah. it, it don't matter if you're a horrible human being or you're a decent human being. We we kind of tend to appreciate novelty or an anomaly or something that we see as having faculty. Whether that be like, you know, somebody that's attractive, that's objectification. Somebody that's very physically capable and and physically daunting, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say. And then to throw on top of that, Kalu's experiences with not only encountering the physicality thing where he's objectified and treated like, damn, you. I bet you played football. I bet you played basketball. Like the reductionist element of it. Then the moment he opens his mouth, Mm -hmm. then it it, yeah. it doesn't do anything to bolster his humanity. It yeah. gets rerouted to even more novelty, whereby it's like, damn, he's articulate. Yeah, I hate that one. That's one of the that's one of the great ones right there. Yeah. Why am I articulate and no one else is? Yeah, hear that all the time. What and people cannot help it. These are nice people. They just happen to catch people. me, like, because I'm very good at code switching, and 
Yeah. They just happen to catch me. Like if you looked completely different, yeah. you wouldn't say the same thing. Yeah. You see me in our group chats, how <laughs> we're, you know, we're completely different in yeah. our different groups, but like it, it's, it's just, we need to acknowledge that code switching is a good thing. That's part of it. And I think that I've, I've certainly used it to my advantage uh, where I do hit that novelty status if I didn't do it, it's like I speaking would be, different languages. Yeah. 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 I don't see anything wrong with code switching. We may have reason to code switch with that is interesting mm-hmm. in this part of the world. African-American people may have it, but that doesn't mean that code switching didn't happen everywhere all the time. As sure. well. you know, I think it's cool human thing to do. There's people who have a problem with that too. That's a bit of a tangent, but there's some people that, um, that think you're fake or something. Yeah. If you're, I always I've, I've found gotten that, that curious, but, but my mom raised me like, we got over that really young age. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, there's a reason why you can't tell that joke at the bank when you're cashing your check. Yeah. Like, like don't be stupid. Well, code, yeah. expect code switching the world to come to you. Code switching, I feel like in order to be like to have legs, it it has to have empathy associated with it. Mm-hmm. It has to have a, an, an element of role taking whereby you mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. and meeting them where they're at and, and trying to speak their language. Yeah. Like when I'm out in rural counties, I turn it up. Yeah. I turn yeah, the yeah. twang up yeah. and I and I. I speak yeah. in one long word. It's mm-hmm. not even sentence like it's not even different words or sentences. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. it works and it disarms people and Absolutely. it's an effective fucking thing. It is thing. a disarming method for me. Yeah, yeah, and it's not meant to be nefarious. It's no. really honest to God to have legs. I think code switching with empathy associated with it yeah. is an honorable act. I think and so. Let too. me tell you, I, and I had to do that uh, in a way today. Uh, and some of you guys, some of you guys see there's, there's no mailbox on my, uh, there's no mailbox in front of my house. And the, uh, the USPS dude straight clipped the motherfucker and just took it completely off, just blew it out. And, um, so the, what happened was that he came, he comes up to the door and first thing he sees is, is my wife. And obviously she's white and his demeanor is one way, but when he sees me come up behind her. I'm not happy that my mailbox got fucking destroyed, you know? And so you, you also it. didn't have pants on. Oh uh, yeah. Was I was just like, I was, I was half chubbing, no pants yeah. on. Just like, <laughs> I was beating cheeks. Why are you coming in here? But no, no, no. But he, you know, and the, the guy looked visibly scared. So I had to switch completely. It was, I, I didn't want, cause I didn't want to be the angry. I'm doing my air quotes. I didn't want to be the angry black guy. So I went over there. I talked very calm with him. I offered some, him some water. You know, I was doing that whole thing because I was like, I don't, this is going to help some, this is going to help something for him later on down That's the line. Empathy. That's empathy. It's absolutely empathy. Then I sat and talked with him. He's only been there. He's only been on the job for a month now, you know, and we, we just go back and forth and we're doing all that. But in the back of my head, I'm just like, if someone else yeah. were to be getting pissed off, it would be completely, yeah. if there's someone and, that didn't look to, like And me. for the sake of the hard line, the hard and visceral and controversial line that we want to hold yeah. in, in our conversations, it's important to denote that not only did you have to code switch like that, but you have to do that countless amount of oh, times yes. in a given week. And the consequences of you not doing that mm-hmm. are way greater way for greater. you than they are for him. Yeah. And I'm not a person that's like against, mm-hmm. you know, white people having privilege or whatever. I, I think it's fine. I, I don't, I don't even have a problem with what we call quote yeah. unquote, racial behavior nowadays it's just i think until we, if we want to be better if we want to be the america we all romanticize about we're gonna have to find a way to handle these 
subtleties and these nuances that still remain. And what we just talked about in the last 15 minutes is, I think, representative of that. There's something there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the the male person, the male guy knocked off. He broke your mailbox when yeah. he was driving by. Now, I think he listened to his first episode of The Saloonist. <laughs> and he figured out who you were. And that's why that's why that happened. He should yeah. have he, he he started just saying, like, oh my God. Yeah. Boy, real hard. Is that him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he listened. And he, no, he hated us. He, <laughs> he was like, fuck he, he, that yeah, guy. He, he fuck said, his oh, mail, too. These, these are, he, got, he, got, he saw some of your mail and it had Saloonist on there. For a sponsorship, and that's why that's what really happened. But you caught him before he got away. Yeah, for real. That's, no, that would be funny. No, and you know what? Just what kidding. I did learn from him was the the pressures that's on him being because he's just delivering Amazon stuff. Yeah, and hearing the they're the about stories, to lose that contract too. By the way, huh, interesting. But hearing his his story, I was like, damn, it's okay. You know, like I'll go and get this. I'm, I'm totally yeah. invoicing your people, but that's it. But what I wanted to do next, really quick, is and it was. I want I wanted to bring up that the question where my friend had asked why can't white people be you know happy with being white or whatever having a white history month kind of thing and I want to frame that up before we uh, before we just sort of end the episode it's like a closing question if you will so here's what he says um, he says controversy follows he says are white people afraid to speak their mind about race I'm convinced that they are. Is it because you're scared, intimidated, nervous, concerned about white pers- white supremacist accusations, etc.? Are we the only race that has limitations to freedom of speech? Every other race repping their people. Uh, every other race is repping their people. Why don't white people do the same? I could be list- I could be missing something. Let me know. And he has hashtag not racist. And he says someone had to ask. And I was like, there's so much wrong here. It <laughs> is just like, is there? Huh? I I think it's not with him. Yeah. There's so it's like this this system has failed him. Like some I think that something has failed him to the yeah. point where he thinks that there that first of all that he thinks that he's white. I see white people and I, I don't see them as white. I see my wife as Irish. I say white yeah. just because of sure. my Irish okay. wife. And, and that's so, that's a good fucking point. Yeah. And I and I think I might be able to contribute just a tiny modicum sure. to this because growing up racially ambiguous puts you in an odd spot. M- more so like when you're racially ambiguous and you're something like Melungeon, it's not easily to artic- easily articulated when you're five, six, seven years old. And you constantly, it's not as though I walk around, I never walk around feeling white. Never have I ever walked around feeling white, but I never walked around feeling like anything in particular. Mm. Y- wow. You dig? Yeah. Until a motherfucker pointed it out. And then, yeah. and, and it was a, over the years, Constantly, there's yeah. always somebody pointing it out, and and invariably, like whenever it was pointed out, almost invariably when it was pointed out by a white person, it was pointed out in a negative kind of context. You're white, but you white black. No, no, say? more like like using like terms like Mexican or oh, yeah. or Filipino or whatever, any anything yeah. that could be thrown out as even remotely what I might be yeah. as a. A derogatory thing as if that's fucking derogatory to begin with you know what i'm yeah. saying but but that perpetual reminder of okay you're you're not white you're you're not fucking white it it makes you whenever you do finally find your stride which to be quite honest with you the black community has been the most welcoming group of motherfuckers because it's like your your 
tenure, your membership, your uh, acceptance within a black peer group versus a white peer group. And not to generalize across the board, because I've got quite a few white friends, but even people that aren't my friends, there's kind of a a proving ground. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like in order to be in the white clique, you don't have to prove yourself for shit necessarily. You just kind of had to know the people and be around and do whatever. In the black clique, you kind of had to prove yourself a little bit. Absolutely. And it it, that ended up kind of where I stuck. I've always, you know, I've I've felt like y'all motherfuckers get it a little bit more than anybody else. But at the same time, it has made me so very attuned to race. Like, like I don't know what the fuck you are. Like, what are you? Like when I'm sitting in this room, like. I don't it ain't like I'm in here with two black dudes like yeah. you yeah. you're a black dude to me African American black yeah. what I say Nigerian American mm-hmm. very different entities to me if it was a biracial cat if CJ was in here and CJ was like he's black I'm like well you half black yeah yeah and again that's not to denigrate the black black experience because he he still experiences yeah. a lot of those same woes yeah. but as somebody who grew up relatively a racial from a psychological standpoint yeah. I am hyper attuned I'm like I be looking at white people. I'm like, you pretending like you white, but I know you got something else in you. And then oh, whenever yeah. black people would talk to me, that's oh, yeah. that's one of the keys. Yeah. When I was growing up and black people would be like, you got something else in you. You got some black in you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was always a positive thing. It was yeah. like a seeking out like that. All it's right, like, are you an ally? Are yeah, an yeah, ally? yeah, yeah. And, and invariably it's like that. And and I think that when, when we're talking about white people that don't get why can't I be proud to be white? Mm-hmm. It's because if if you do that without any kind of real sociological understanding associated with it, all it is is being white is a legacy of colonialism yep. Yep. and control yes. and yep. winning that's and power. That's what's so beautiful about this thing. I want you to finish responding to, to wrap up. But that's what's so beautiful. I want to just put it out there so we can follow that thread at every opportunity subsequently there's something subtle that we don't have language for the human in you the human in the white guy that asked you that question clue and the human in me knows that my striving to restore that level 10 humanity that i've somehow lost and i still from time to time feel like i dropped down to nine in different um, um, situations in society the human in you knows that when i identify or celebrate black pride i'm grasping for that the human in you also knows especially if you have a lick of education that when you do white pride that ain't why you're doing it yeah Mm -hmm. it's different it's It's like different it's like getting punched in the throat kicked in the balls suplexed on the ground right and um and 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 just being like having to crawl around until you get back on your feet hours or whatever you're really really badly injured and in doing so part of the coping mechanisms for that you start to identify proudly with the trappings of crawling around on your knees you know what I, mean? mm. I know i'm gonna get on my feet but yo i'm a knee crawler yo, I, yo i'm this kind of, you know that's how black right. people are yeah. we're celebrating not authentic culture that we own but culture that's came uh and been codified as a as a response to being codified as a response to being conquered so effectively and, so and, systematically. and white and white is and, a codification in and yeah, of itself as well right right that was attached to not that think of me still Chris's word, the edification of those European immigrants, but attached to the 
demeaning of black people. You see the white moniker, that label, it wasn't created for white people. It, it was created against black people. Yes. It was so that, yes. okay, here we go. We got Ellis Island. We can't yes. do slavery like this no more. We got to, we got to get a workforce in America. All right, let's just open up Ellis Island. Let all the immigrants come in. Okay. They're going to have more in common with the very educated, very low SES um, slave population. And now it's getting on their feet. Dang, well, we can't have that either. If not, if I want to mm-hmm. keep my money, you know what I mean? The ones that economically want. Right. So it's like, yeah. okay, you're going to be poor and broke and low SES well, but at least you're not black. Right. So yes. it's not something that they should be proud of. Mm-hmm. A white person shouldn't want to have white history month. They should be asking what. What is it? Why does it? And then when they work the work it backwards, like Chris just said, I didn't mean to take this much time. Oh no, you. Then did. they'll get to the. Oh, okay. It's I don't want to be white. It's yet. truth and reconciliation. It's, truth and reconciliation. it's, it's the fact yeah. that it, you, where we have to be at again is as people of color, white, off white, yeah. whatever the fuck, whoever it is, we have to be willing to disarm ourselves and not be reactionary when it comes to terminology and trying to unpack this shit and everything. Yeah. But at the same time, this this divide that's presented is very much just fundamentally a socioeconomic one that has been maintained yes. and perpetuated by saying, like you said, at least you're not black. Mm-hmm. At least you're not motherfucking black. But, you know, whenever we began this, the, the first question that you asked, Kalu, what was the first question that you asked? At the at the onset of this, like, what what facilitated this entire discussion? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Well, was, well, wasn't it the the question your friend? Well, was it? It had to do with white pride, right? Or oh, like oh, a, I thought you. Yeah. Were, okay, yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, oh, I thought you were meant at the very beginning. Well, I did say it at the very beginning of the episode. Yeah, he was asking why can't white people be mm-hmm. proud of being white and have a white history month? Gotcha. And why is it like yeah. that? So, so again, if we're gonna disarm ourselves and we we have to be, you know, working class white people are like, what the fuck? I want to celebrate my culture. And do dope shit like you do. Like they're lightweight jealous. A and lot of them are lightweight. Just know where the fuck they come from. Yes, <laughs> they do, and they take pride in it. Right, and and, and they ain't even motherfucking worried they about worried it. About they ain't it. goddamn worried about it. You know who is worried about it? Poor white Poor people white are people. worried about it because they, in in many ways, again, they've been stripped of their identity to a certain yeah. degree, not to the same degree, uh-huh. but it's the same. Get fucking preferential treatment. Uh-huh. They get they get the jobs, even though they ain't necessarily get as high a score on this and all this kind of shit. And it's perpetuating this divide. So if we're going to make if we're going to have a serious bridging of of this gap that we've got here, we have to be willing on our end to not be tripped out when people have these kind of con- yeah, honest we, conversations. We have to use that. We have to see that question as a valid question. It's a it's a, it's a reach. It, it's yeah. some humanity. So yes. we so and and I see motherfuckers that's supposed to be allies, supposed social justice warriors, saying I'm tired. I shouldn't have to explain to you. Blah blah blah. Bitch, you do. Yeah. If if you want shit to change, I don't give a fuck if you tired. Yeah. There are some white people out here that you're gonna have to take the time if you give a fuck. You're gonna have to take the time to explain in a patient loving that, fucking man i was gonna yeah. say earlier when uh Kalu brought it up was when i you may have recall me asking what about that was um 
Clue said, you know, so much wrong or whatever with him asking that. That's what I was trying to imply. I love that question. Well, I didn't think there the was anything perfect... wrong with him asking. Okay. It was it was the fact that we put him but, in a position where yeah. he has to even ask that. We, but we didn't do it. We, we did, didn't do I, it to we we were talking about slave masters earlier, right? Yes. And and like their varying degrees of like perceived humanity even yeah. within their slaves, right? Right. Not all slave masters were the same. No. You, yeah. We know damn well that, that some slaves were treated way better than other slaves, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So you basically it's the lesser of two evils no matter what you still a slave but at least you're not uh uh pastor john's slave he be beating yeah. the fuck out of his slaves right yeah. yeah so you know who's perpetuating all this shit who's that goddamn establishment yeah both yeah. sides of the establishment that's what i mean both perpetuating both it. sides yeah. of the establishment yeah. it's it's white neo fucking liberal establishment that is the the alarm that sounds anytime some shit like like if you look at a thread on Facebook that is even remotely like questionable yeah. Yeah. like a motherfucker says some shit and they see remotely questionable if you look at the thread lightweight have you might have a few black faces that's angry about that shit or say something a lot of them will be like kind of amused about it mm-hmm. overwhelmingly is paragraphs of angry white people about outraged for black folks yeah. because uh-huh. their slave master mm-hmm. has we told don't them need saving. That's <laughs> and that's the thing yeah. is that we choose as as minorities, we overwhelmingly choose left of center. We choose the Democratic yeah. candidate, right? Yeah. That is the lesser of two evils. Acknowledged as the lesser of two evils, but really fundamentally we're choosing between two different slave owners at this point. If we want to if we want to look at it on a grand socioeconomic scale yeah. at this point, not the you know, not 600 years of subjugation type shit. So you pick this slave master or these groups of individuals that perpetuate these ideas. Like you got Nancy Pelosi up there fucking oh, t- totally appalled about X Y and Z. Meanwhile, when Don Imus said the shit that Don Imus said, White people were losing their motherfucking mind, right? I ain't know a single fucking black person that gave a shit about that. Yeah. I ain't getting no single. Yeah, me, yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad. I didn't know where you're going with that. I'm so glad with that. Somehow that came up in my YouTube Don, feed the other day. I laughed. I thought it was almost hilarious. Yeah. Who don't That's have the kind who, of humor that it, I tend to like? It's an old, yeah, old ass white dude that said inappropriate fucking shit. Keep, yeah. it, keep it moving. Again, yeah. it's like, he said, keep I'm it laugh, moving. I'm keep, la- keep no, it. I'm laughing at thinking of what I was saying. It was, it's funny to me it, still. It, it, well, and then, and then my, I think my, he was just trying to be funny. He was, and then they butchered him, man. Yeah. The the neoliberals fucking butchered him and made an example out of him yeah. and got him to shut the fuck up. And maybe that's what Clue, Clue was getting at, because now I feel like I'm doing that very thing. I'm not defending Don Imus. I'm not defending racism. I'm not defending people's right to be racist. I'm asking, first, it was funny. Second, I say it all the time, or at least back then when it was a turn of phrase that you would use, nappy-headed hoes. Yeah. But, and third, like... Selective outrage, like what Chris just said. I'm more curious as to why, why you care about that. Yeah. You know, what I mean, why do you care about that? But they you don't never care about mattered you know before. I mean? It was a easy. So, yeah. It was easy. It was yeah, low exactly. hanging fucking fruit. Exactly. To, it, it was, and again, it, it was like a public fucking execution of somebody. Mm-hmm. This purity test to make the rest of them seem mm-hmm. like that they're allies, mm-hmm. and they're fucking not because Patrice O'Neill. And I think y'all know how much I love Patrice mm-hmm. O'Neill. Like he's 
mm-hmm. one of my favorite humans that's ever walked the face of the fucking earth. Yeah. After the dynamic shit, that man with his gigantic huevos that come a swinging had no gripes about going on Fox News. Yep. And to oh, this God, day, it yeah. makes me want to cry laughing that yeah. Fox News ever let Patrice O'Neill they on. They should have known better. Yeah, they, they didn't know. Yeah, but he like, got on oh, there God. and he was like legit confused. Like, I don't give a fuck what Don Amos says. Like, yeah, okay. And he even said, he was like, I don't know a single black person that's pissed off that's about right, this yeah. shit. That's right. Friends who lost any sleep yeah. about what the fuck Don Amos thinks. Yeah. <laughs> so they, the, the fucking, the, the fucking establishment. The, the people keeping them away Awake, hey, the ones that are sitting there saying, shouldn't you be pissed about that? So don't go around acting like you can't say shit because of brown people. Yeah. You can't say shit because the status quo is fully prepared to make an example that, out of your ass. And it's really other white point. people. That's a really good point, man. I hope, I don't know if we'll ever, if those listening or if we'll ever be able to articulate what you just connected in that. Yeah. But um, it's, it's economics they know that even that strife even that silly contention that they uh, falsely perpetuate in the media is revenue generating it is and you just got played yeah because because wait to some black like yeah. imagine some black people being like the right black person saying yeah what are you mad for yeah exactly <laughs> you know what i'm saying well, and it's, a good one it's pandering. about that was after 9-11 you would hear people talking about you know how um everyone was you know so compassion and stuff for a little while and we're all but, unified but like but like uh i forget how the story goes but it was some bartender or whatever yeah he uh, told uh, the the black guy was standing out you know talking stuff on the corner wherever and he's like man you know they said it's dividing us it's dividing all the people there and the the bartender you know one of those first in the city been there 50 yeah, years yeah, or whatever yeah. bars is right for me he was like get your black ass in there and have a drink <laughs> yeah. like, like no you about to you falling for that stuff yeah that's that's fox and them making their money yep. like we're new york we above that yeah we got culture for real well, and 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 why? i don't care who you are come have a drink and watch the next game yeah and it was really cool moment yeah. but i forget whose podcast or whatever it was on that context context yeah, context context context, yeah. context. Yeah. why is why is it yeah that quentin tarantino is allowed to be Quentin fucking Tarantino. Why is that? Because the black community understands authenticity. It's it's fucking genuineness. Yes, it's it's keeping it 100 and it's it's, it's what real life is. He gets gets allowed the hard R. Man, he does. He also gets allowed code switch. Yeah, he does. You ever seen him code switch? No, I haven't. You ever seen him talk to a black person? No. Yeah, he'll he'll flip. He's from He lightweight don't like white people. He like, you can tell he gets disgusted by white people real quick. But he'll switch and I'm like, dang, are they going to check him for that? Because it sounds weird, you know, but he'll code switch and he's allowed to well South Park South Park South Park gets to do whatever the fuck they yeah, want. They do. What what agency mm-hmm. affords this? But again, whenever they see low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. like an old white man that just look racist. Mm-hmm. If you look yeah. at Don Imus, if you was to look up racist oh, yeah. in the encyclopedia and there was a it, picture it would, of Don Imus, you'd be like, yeah. If yeah. racism was a person, yeah. it would be Don Imus. Yeah, but but fundamentally, the shit that he said was not that goddamn toxic. Yeah, it, it, it really wasn't. wasn't. It was a drop in the fucking and bucket. He, and he was trying to say I'm not defending him but I, I, I have me more respect either. for yeah. nuance and subtlety in language than anything I, I can't let it go I got I like that language is that powerful so I can't entertain um, poor 
uh, misunderstandings of language because it makes it does that thing that's happening right now where the language is oversimplified. You know, yes. he was actually talking about man, there's some ballers like yeah. you about to. You know what we used to do that's equivalent to that? What was that in the track and field world? If if my showed up to run track and they were rusty or whatever, you know, like they fast. Said they're fast, they're fast as hell. Like like yeah. if they because Bowling Green High was always very competitive. But we would race the every now and then a, ten, a Tennessee high school yep. or we uh Western Kentucky Paducah was always mm-hmm. a rival. And if you seen somebody that was a little bit, you could tell a little bit underprivileged because Bowling Green's a funny place. Mm-hmm. Even the black people that are poor don't move and operate like it. Yeah. We're, we're very like, you know what I mean? Pop, yeah. Like you lotioned up. You look like you yeah. groomed well, like you raised yeah. by your grandma. You know what I'm talking we about? Got, yeah, we got ashy folks in Greenwood and yeah. we're just like, yeah, but they're like, they can yeah, run. Yeah, haircuts and shit. And it takes my older brother to describe it. He's like, man, when you seen somebody and that lineup wasn't really, really mm-hmm. tight, because they'd be out there with the hair and bone on, yeah. old up, you know, stretching with the nice mm-hmm. uh, kicks on top. But you see that kid that was there. It was the same thing. That's what Don Imus was trying to say. The the appearance, perhaps the roughness or whatever of those athletes indicated he knew they were they were, they were superior athletes. Because mm-hmm. I, mean, I remember the yeah. conversations we said, oh man, here's some ballers. You yep. know, I mean, just like we said, oh man, there's some black Atlanta it's chicks. The same thing you happens know, they in can the ball. gym. It's just that kind of comment. And he kind of talked just... talk like this when he said it. He, he, that that <laughs> like yeah. very over yeah. the top yeah, exactly. radio kind of thing. Exactly. And again, nobody on this podcast is even defending it. No. It is yeah. off color. It's off yeah. color as fuck. Yeah. But it yeah. doesn't constitute him as being the goddamn racial boogeyman. Yeah. It's, right. the, it's the people that publicly fucking executed yeah, him that are the, the real monsters. That, that more yeah. recent gentleman um, that had the, the trophy wife, he was like, man, just stop fucking him in front of me. Yeah. Remember the one they had rental property? Oh, the, wait, wouldn't he uh, oh, uh, uh, own the NBA team? Yeah, he had an NBA team. Yeah, yeah. that guy. I yeah, she wanted man. to fuck black dudes yeah, and he was yeah. like, quit fucking him in front yeah, of me. Just, like, yeah, it's like, just stop taking pictures with him. I'm out with my 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 golf, my, you know, because he's a brand. This man is a brand. Yeah, that's all he's got at that age is his dignity. I've got exactly what he meant. He was like, just don't do it in my face. And that wasn't too much to ask. And then yeah. people like yeah he's one of those slumlords that don't rent to black people we can get into that too but yeah you know if you want to protect your protect your um real estate we know that i think it's a single black female is like the the worst demographic is that what it is i think it's single black because they'll wreck the house a yeah. single black female with little boys for you know uh-huh. family and no one knows it's better than chris i'm not trying to to turn Chris up, but there's actual reality that yeah. I would I would much rather examine why that is mm-hmm. than to throw my hands up like I'm hurt about a reality that that's a fact. And even if it's expressed harshly or in a way that reminds me of perhaps my cultural inadequacy or something like that, it doesn't matter. It is a fact that because I was that kid, me and yeah. me and um, my significant other talk about it all the time. We remember growing up and we're thinking like, damn, I remember that one door. Yeah. If you ran through the house too far, it would flip off yeah, the hinge flip. and bust your head. We had we we didn't understand that we were so poor that mama not only didn't have the money, but didn't know how to fix a door. Yeah. We lived with certain Jerry rig stuff that we thought was just a part of, com- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And my whole point is that was a nightmare for a landlord. Yeah. Because when we move out, it's just destroyed. He's got yeah. thousands, of, and now I know what they're talking about. Yep. No man in the house. No one to no one to keep the kids um, latchkey kids that have to watch themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's four or five in the house, so you're safe. But mama's gone to work all the time, mm-hmm. and really, we're not old enough to be alone. But it's just a bunch of us. Yeah. So you have to be okay with letting them party and play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because that's the way to keep them safe. Anyway, that's and, a big old tangent. But and and yeah. I'll say one more thing. Okay. One more, I'm real stuck. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By and large. I understand the utility of it on the one-to-one. 
like just for identifying problems, mm-hmm. but being offended or taking offense is largely wasted energy. Mm. Again, if if you utilize, if you if something Save sets that off for the next episode, because I got something. Well, if, if something sets off an alarm for you to where you're like, oh, I'm offended. Yeah, man. I feel like instead of internalizing that shit and pointing it outward in this pathological, emotional fucking outburst that really just portrays Ooh. itself as hysteronics. Think, stop. Don't let the emotions take over. Start to dissect that shit. Yes. Reverse engineer it. Walk it back. See why that motherfucker said yes. what they said. All right. All right. Guys, do we have any shameless shout outs or anything? Sh- always shameless shout out to my boy Tyler Young at Grade 8 Performance. Um, I'm walking into my third week of his programming and I feel fucking great. Good. Um, I, I haven't missed any lifts. Um, I missed one rep on floor press. Shit got a little wonky, but you know, I mean, I like. I like, like floor press. I, I like that he taught press. me that. I actually like it. Oh, dude, yeah. the, right at the base of the elbow yeah. where the tricep. Yeah. Man, those are motherfuckers. Yeah. But I'm, I missed one. Like it was like on my second set, mm-hmm. and you know you get your stride. Like, mm-hmm. but I, I got a little wonky. But I hit every fucking rep of everything, making good contact. The man knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, it don't matter how genetically gifted you are, or how long you've been doing it. The man is a mad scientist, and he's figured out the fucking formula for it. And for many years. I thought if I ate right and I just worked my motherfucking ass into the ground and got got all kinds of nutrition or whatever, it would work. No, there's levels to this. Yeah. Like we've said in a previous podcast, they are levels to this. And you got to build. You got to you got to incrementally build yourself up and and start with the fundamentals and do and, And that translates not only to physical endeavors, that also translates to psychological endeavors, which that man helps out with as well. So, again, shout out to Grade 8 Performance and Tyler Young. Do your thing. All right, cool. Mark, do you have any shameless shout-outs? Yeah, shout-out to the Big Picture School on Nashville, the awesome. um, Big Picture High School in Nashville. See you guys in a couple of Fridays. I'm going there to talk to some young men, I think African-American young men, um, just as a guest speaker for um, a series they do. Not related to Black History Month specifically, just something that I was invited to do and I'm, I'm proud to get to do. And then um, shout-out to uh, the Vanguard Art Show. Nashville as well. If you're in the greater Nashville area, you've got to look up the Vanguard on Instagram. I don't know any other way of keeping up with them. I don't have social media, but I have an Instagram. That's awesome. The Vanguard Art Show in Nashville, really cool, dope um, art show. And one of the members of the conglomerate that puts on these monthly, bi-monthly, every other month um, art shows and entertainment things for adults. Uh, he works with me. And yeah. it is amazing. It's when you go there, you feel like you're not in Nashville at all. You feel like you're somewhere. That's feel cool. like you're in Wakanda or something. So that's all. Shout out to the Vanguard Art Show. I forgot almost. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Empty Bowls coming up yep. February 18th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 18th. Um, is that a Saturday? It's a so Tuesday. Tuesday, I think. Tuesday yeah, or Wednesday. Tuesday, February 18th. We're going to be at the Man. Sloan Convention Center. Uh, slanging Soup. Uh, it, you know, hopefully all three of us are going to be there. Uh, hopefully I can, I'm going to be bringing a, another goon or two with me and we're going to get, you know, as much notoriety, not only for, uh, our calls, you know, to, to remedy homelessness, raise awareness for like mental health issues, things of that nature. Um, a, a lot of community partners have come together to facilitate this, but also get some exposure for the Salumist as well cool. and show our utility. So, you know, come out. Um, if you yourself are interested in maybe 
getting involved in something comparable to that, reach out to us to help facilitate. If you've got a big idea and we can be a part of it, we're down. Now, don't get us wrong. We're not we don't work for free. We ain't here to to do your legwork for you. But if it's a good cause and you need a, a little extra hand here and there. We are more than happy to participate. So February 18th, Sloan Convention Center, Empty Bowls. The Salumist will be there. Um, and then also, what is going on Thursday? So, yeah, we're uh, the Salumist. We are going to be uh, joining an, a great conversation. I'm hoping it's a great conversation that... Uh, Broadway United Methodist Church, there's going to be some discussions on race and uh, what they are identifying as, you know, just how do we get to a point of achieving racial reconciliation? And I think that doing it through communication and having conversation to be part of that. Uh, so we are going to be there um, 7.30 p.m. at Broadway United Methodist Church. I don't know if it's something that's open for the public, but I know if there's going to be a decent amount of people I that will be it's there. It's about 50 folks. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so I'll probably be recording. Uh, I'll bring my setup to be able to just record just open sound. And uh, hopefully we can catch some good stuff out of that episode uh, or out of that moment there. I just think it's discussions that we need to be able to have. And I'm just very thankful that we were invited to be able to go and speak about that. You've already heard of my you already heard at the beginning of this episode, my shout out to um, to Patch Junkie Shop. So, Jay, thank you again for everything, for the support and keep doing what you're doing, bro. I want to give another shameless shout out to Hefty Lefty Club Works, my boy JP, man. If you want to get some good shit made for you uh, to step up your golf game, if you're just now getting into golf and want to just give it a shot, hit up my boy JP. He can get you sized up, get you a good set of clothes to, to get you set right. Um, I want to give a shout out to BT Lees. He is I, he is my proclaimed uh, sauce boss. Um, and he comes out with some of the, the coolest shit out there. He's got really good flavored sauces and rubs. Um, I actually cooked with some of his. I, I use his, um, what's it called? Oh, sorry. <laughs> get off me, motherfucker. Yeah. I know. I did almost get a wet Winston. That's when I, that's I when used... you lick your finger and put it in a motherfucker belly button. I know. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, that's what it's called. Oh, no, I just made I this shit I couldn't reach Blue Coffee. I couldn't tell if he had a What's shirt that? on or not yeah. underneath his button. I do have a shirt. But I was hoping it wasn't a shirt. Though. All you could see was that little honey pot sticking yeah. out there. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> But like you Pooh Bear on that shit. Oh my God. But BT Lee's, they make great seasonings, great sauces. He is going to be working on a suya sauce. So he's going to bring a little Nigerian flavor to the Where South. Where can we get it at? Huh? Where B can we get it? Follow him on Instagram at BT Lee's. B T L E I G H S. So he has uh, to mail it to you if you. Uh, I think you can go on his website, btlees.com. Okay. Uh, go on there and you can order some of his sauces and his rubs. Um, my favorite is the uh, jalapeno business. I love it, man. It's so good. Some people might say Look at him smiling. Business. You can hear him smiling over Dude, the radio. It's my favorite, man. It's it's so fucking. I'm gonna get some. I've been like on a steak kick lately. I discovered Dude. that Kroger joint. Yeah. That um, I just didn't. The manager special at Kroger. No, the thing where they bring it to your house. Oh yeah. And I'm like, they bring it I to you. Yeah, they were piloting it in Nashville, and so I forgot about it. Then yeah. I went Hello Fresh, and that was not only expensive. It was too frequent, and yeah. if it wasn't what I felt like eating, I had stuff I needed to cook. Yeah. But and so I canceled it. Yeah. This is the answer because when you're sitting at work and whenever you feel like you know you get a little appetite, that's when you think of something yeah. fly you want to eat. You can order on Kroger and Kroger deliver it into us. What's the fee? Like 
three bucks or something. Isn't, isn't that part of Amazon's thing? No, it's they leverage Instacart and all those places, but uh, you do it through Kroger. And I don't know why, but the fact that I do it on the Kroger website makes it much more approachable yeah. to me. I don't know why, because I've used Instacart before and yeah. I've used, uh, I think the other one, TripIt or something mm-hmm. weird, another one. It's grocery delivery, right? Yeah. But this to me is the perfect balance. I don't have to get off the exit yeah. and go to the big busy mall to grocery shop. That's I can beautiful. order and by the time I get home, someone knocks on the door with what I want that night. So I've been on this steak kick yeah. lately. And it's good. Doing it That's a good the, kick. In the cast iron. Yeah. Man, Man let me know when you're around here. Oh, this is what we'll do. If you can come into town sooner than 5 o'clock, yeah. I'll get you some steak from Ryan's Fatty Calf. That's family, man. Yeah. And so uh, you'll get some really good uh, different, right. d- different cuts of steak. You can yeah. get some all sorts of shit, man. I'm yeah. telling you, you'll have some of the best steak from these people. Like they, they do it right. You take it home and you cook it right. How do you make your steak? Little butter, little garlic, little S and P down the hatch. Am I right? Yep. Letter candy style. Yep. That's it. That's what I do. Yeah. Put a little thyme if you want to. Yeah. You know, uh, break that up. I do pepper. Huh? I, 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 yeah, I, man. I it's good shit. Pepper. Good shit. All right. Um. So guys, thank you all so much for your time and for your attention. We're gonna be cooking up some some more heat for you guys for Black History Month and just in between or just during the month, I'm gonna have more FYFT episodes. I'm having a uh, one of my friends, Terry Houchin, come on. She's gonna talk an episode for our Valentine's Day special. Um, I think it's going to be some good stuff there. Uh, she and I are going to record that one, uh, I believe, on Wednesday. Uh, so I'd love uh, whatever you guys have going on. Just let me know if you, if you can make it. That's fine. If you can't, that's fine. But uh, I think it's going to be some good content. I do. I definitely want to be able to just touch on the topic of love in, in a time where everyone's going to be getting lovey-dovey and doing their things or whatever. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> buying, spending money, eating at Shogun's and Olive Garden. Hopefully, I'm gonna bait some tricks. Yeah, uh, me, yeah. And, me and uh, Becky. Yeah, she gonna get the never ending breadstick. Yeah, we're gonna take the new ring out today. Oh no! <laughs> oh, that's, that's <laughs> damn. <gross. laughs> damn, Kalu bested oh, me. That's love. Okay, all right, guys. Again, follow us at the Salumist. That's T H E S A L U M I S T. Go to our website, www.thesalumist.com. Hit us up everywhere, and we are out. Peace.